Today, as we focus on these pages of prayer for those that don't know Christ, I pray we'll not only be earnest in how we can be better prayer warriors, we'll not only be more focused on those that need Jesus, but I believe there's some folks in this room that as we go through these simple precepts will say, Pastor, I can't pray for somebody else. I need the prayer myself. I need Jesus. I sure would rejoice today as the heavens would rejoice if even one would be noble enough today to come and say, I'm ready to give my life fully to Jesus Christ. Let it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you don't have a handout, raise your hands. Ushers, if you see a raised hand, help these folks. We have some herb right here on the front, some scattered around the room. Ushers, if you'll help us. Do we have more ushers than herb? We have two ushers. Okay. That's good. That's twice as many as herb. All right, here we go. You ready? I want us to consider this morning what it takes to pray for those that don't know Christ. I believe the church talks a lot about prayer. I believe people very flippantly say, I'm going to pray for you. When somebody asks, uh, I'm hurting, we say, I pray for you like we say, how are you doing? We don't mean to be derelict and we don't mean to be dishonest. But the truth is, for many of us, because we don't have a daily time with God, we just don't know what to say when somebody's just poured out their heart other than, I'll pray for you. It's a whole lot better than just saying, well, I'm so sorry. I hope you get better. I'm sorry that you're hurting. We try to spiritualize what we wish we were. But the world gives evidence that most of us are not very diligent in calling on the Lord for anything in prayer. In fact, you find out a lot about a person when you spend just a few moments with them in prayer. You find out a lot of person when you spend a few moments with them in conversation. What they talk about most and what they bring up every time you're together is what they really focus on. And when you talk to somebody spiritually and you say, let's pray, and there's a struggle... Most of the time, it's not because there's a spiritual war in the heart. It's an uncertainty of what do I do now? I've learned a long time ago as a pastor that we're not to assume anything. And through the years in different campaigns, whatever we were focused on, whether it's evangelism or prayer or other things, I've had people say to me, Brother Nick, I'm convinced I ought to do it. I just don't know how. You ought to share with us how. And so this morning, unapologetically, is a teaching session. If you're a guest with us, normally about this point, I find a biblical text and preach it. Today, I'm going to just walk through this sheet because I want you not only to see it in worship, I want you to take it with you. Because if all we do in these next 30 minutes is review this sheet and you put it in your Bible and go home and we forget it, I'm of all men most miserable because I've just wasted 30 minutes of God's time and yours. But if this could become a track by which you can say, at least now I know how to pray for those that don't know Christ, then this is an investment in eternity that will bear abundant fruit, not only now, but in the age of the ages. And so I want you to think with me. If I can just, if you want to open your Bibles, fine. I'm just going to read four verses quickly in Romans 10. I want to remind you of the burden of the Apostle Paul for his Jewish brethren. Sometimes people say, well, I don't think we need to witness to the Jews because they're God's chosen people. Well, maybe you should have talked to Paul. <laughs> Paul was saved on the road to Damascus and the people he's burdened for most are those that were part of the covenant of Abraham but didn't know the covenant of Calvary. They didn't know Jesus. And so he spent his time praying for those that didn't know Jesus. And if you're not a student of Scripture, Romans 10, uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11 is Paul's prayer and thoughts specifically for Jewish people. Romans 9, 10, and 11. This morning, think with me in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read the first four verses of Romans 10. And this sets the tone for praying for those that don't know Christ. Romans 10, beginning in verse 1. Brothers... 
Paul is the author. Paul is the writer. Holy Spirit's inspiring him. Brothers, my heart's desire, my prayer to God concerning them, meaning the Jews, my prayer concerning the Jews, or we can be so bold as concerning those who do not know Jesus. Paul said, here's my prayer for those who do not know Jesus. It is for their salvation, exclamation point. Verse 2, I can testify about them. They have zeal for God. You know a lot of people say, oh yeah, boy, I believe there's a God. Yes, sir, I do. Do you know that puts you at the level of demons? Book of James says the demons believe in God and they tremble. How many of your friends tremble when they say, I believe in God? (laughs) How many Christians tremble? So he said, listen, these people are not, they, they, don't, they don't say I don't believe in God. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They don't know, they don't know God's promise through Christ. Verse 3, chapter 10, verse 3. They disregarded, they disregarded the righteousness from God who is at Jesus. And so they attempted to establish their own righteousness. What's that? The law. Not, not the Ten Commandments, the, all those tedious things that they added to it. You get ten men in a room and leave them alone for long, they'll come out with more things that you can't do than you can imagine. He said they didn't follow the righteousness of God. They came up with their own little works plan and attempted to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. Christ is the end, meaning the completion. Christ is the completion of law for righteousness but it's, there's a caveat. His righteousness is only available. Look at last phrase in verse, verse 4. To everyone, what? Who believes. Some of you in this room would say, well, I, I believe in Jesus. So have you been born anew by the Spirit of God through your confession of faith in Him? Well, I don't know what you mean. That's what concerns me. There are a lot of people, oh, oh yeah, I, I, my mama told us about Jesus. Well, my mama told me about a lot of things, but I'm not trusting anybody but Jesus for my eternal salvation. And so let's look at this sheet I've given you because obviously the time is short and that's why I wanted you to have it. I want you to be able, we're going to get as far as we can and then you take it with you, put it in your Bible and this can be a guide for you. On the very first sheet, our assignment from the Lord. Our assignment from the Lord, James 5.20. Whoever, that's anybody. Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Listen, everybody in this room that does not know Christ, everybody you're going to go play ball with this afternoon, the folks in the mall you may go see, the folks in the restaurant that serve you lunch, if they don't know Christ, listen, they're not sick, they're not anemic, they're not weak, they're spiritually dead. And I don't care how nice you are to them, how big a tip you leave, how courteous you are when the transaction takes place. If they don't have somebody come along that can snatch them from spiritual death and give them eternal life, they will die forever without Christ. Jesus. well, that's a little harsh. I'm just the messenger. Jesus said, he who believes in me is not condemned, but he who believes not is condemned already. I didn't write that. John did, the beloved disciple. So the Bible says, listen, our goal is to bring back a sinner, bring back a sinner from his wandering and we'll save him. We'll be able to see him snatched from eternal destruction and placed in the kingdom of heaven. Now look at this, the key. And I got so excited, my very first and biggest error is the very first sentence. So here we go. I want to correct it. The key to seeing our friends and family that do not know Christ and add this phrase, 
the key to seeing our friends and family that do not know Christ and need to come to know Christ. That's a very important phrase. They don't know him, but they need to. So right after the word Christ in the very first line, they don't know Christ and need to come to know Christ. They need him. How do we see that happen? Is to pray for them daily. Prayer is the breath of evangelism, and evangelism requires that God moves and convicts for men to be drawn to him. The Spirit says nobody comes to Christ except the Spirit draw him. So what are we praying for? Holy Spirit of God, my brother, my friend, my sister, my neighbor, without Christ. Holy Spirit of God, convict them and draw them to Jesus Christ that their lives may be transformed, their hearts saved. Now look at this. When we pray for the lost... When we pray for the lost, what do we need to do? Four things I've got right here. If you want to circle one, two, three, and four down that first page, it'll help you to see the main points. Point number one, we pray persistently. What does that mean? Be persistent when you pray. So many of us, when we when asked, did you pray for John? Yeah, I did once. Yeah, I did that a long time ago. L- listen, if somebody were trapped in rubble, would you be content if the sirens just passed by one time and said, we drove down the street and we didn't see anybody? But they're in eight feet of rubble after that earthquake. Well, I didn't see them. We didn't hear anybody, so we just drove on by. Anybody here a drive-by Christian? Anybody here give somebody one pass? I I was in your neighborhood. I I I sat by you for 30 years, but I I hated to bring it up again. 30 years? You did a drive-by 30 years from 8 to 5 and never slowed down to find out? Ever? Listen, people are buried with eyeballs in rubble. It may take an operation to get them out of there. So what do we pray persistently? When a person has been trapped in sin for a long time, their salvation may not come quickly. Don't lose heart. Luke 18, 1. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Secondly, number two, pray watchfully. You're a sentry. As you're praying, you're calling on the commanding officer to give you wisdom on how to take the enemy camp and snatch prisoners from Satan and bring them to redemption in Christ. So you pray watchfully. What does that mean? Consistently listen and watch for open doors to share the gospel with your friend. Some things to watch for. Now, please hear me. If they were to come up to you and say, I'm ready to trust Jesus, you don't need to be watchful. You just need to share the gospel. But most of the time, they're not that, they're not that clear. But what they'll talk about is how they're struggling or how they've been thinking about something or how they saw something that made them start kind of thinking about life. There's your clue. There's your opening. So look with this. Pray, pray watchfully. Number A, have they asked any questions, uh, ask you any questions on topics that could lead to a spiritual discussion? Somebody says, boy, this world is in a mess. You, <laughs> I'm sure you don't hear that ever, do you? So what kind of truck can you drive through there? You know it is. But there's two things you need to know. It wasn't intended to be this big a mess. But secondly, there's somebody that's going to fix it. Because they can start by fixing us. You know, can I tell you who that is and about him? You think God intended this mess? Why did he not want Adam and Eve to treat knowledge of good and evil? Because he could see 2016. I'm going to ask this group because the second hour is a whole lot younger folks. But those of us that are white-headed... Did you ever dream when you were a child you'd see America in this kind of a mess? When people say, boy, the world sure messed up, you can say, you know it is. 
but the one who made it didn't mean for it to be this way. We, we ask for it. Here, here's the tragedy. We elect our leaders. And you know what? We're getting a good old dose. We've sown to the wind, and of the wind we're reaping a whirlwind. We've sown to the flesh, and of the flesh we're reaping destruction. And now we're saying, man, this is a mess. Why didn't we think about that when we were planting the garden? So people say the world's a mess. That, that's, a, that's a good way to drive in. Look at number B. Are they going through a major life trauma? For example, the death of a loved one. Listen, when somebody dies, don't go in and tell them seven reasons why God's going to watch over and get... Just, at that moment, when their heart is crushed, say, I am so sorry. I'm going to be praying for you. And in a few days, I'd like to come back and let's just visit. Don't, don't, don't go over there the day that they've just had a tragedy and say, well, I've been waiting for this moment to tell you about Jesus. He's the only one can help you. And here, listen, they're not listening to you. Their heart has just been decked. But if you'll hug them, if you're a hugger, if you'll hug them and say, I'm so sorry. In a few days, I want to come back and let you and me just talk. And then when you go back, let them talk. Let them talk about their love and let them talk about what they feel. And when they're finished, listen, when they've talked and talked and talked, you've earned the right to say, may, may I just share with you something maybe of help? Listen first and share. Number C under that, have they had a cause for great celebration? I just got a raise, got a new house. My son goes accepting college, you know, whatever it is. I am so happy for you. And you know what? You know who gives us all those good things? You know who's the author of all those good things? It says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from who? The government, right? That's an oxymoron. Every good and perfect gift comes from who? The Lord. So when they have a good time, you talk about God. Pray that God would work on them to take baby steps. So when you're praying, God, show me just, just this much of an opening. And keep in mind, you're a witness. Hear me. You're not Jack the Giant Slayer. You're a witness. A witness says what you know and leave the results to God. You don't have to leave there every time with a profession. But if you do it with grace and you raise their interest, then when you come back around and say, did you think anything about, th uh, think at all about the things we talked about? If they say yes, it means you got their attention. So you simply share out of hard mercy. Number three, quickly, how do you pray? You pray persistently, number one. You pray watchfully. Thirdly, you pray, pray biblically. Now, these are just a few of the verses. But John 3, 17, God didn't send his son to the world that, that he might condemn the world. But he sent Christ in the world that the world might be saved. 1 Timothy 2, that is, this is good. Pleasing the sight of God our Savior desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but it's patient. Goodness, he must be. When you see the things we've done to a God where there's steeples on every corner of churches and this is the way we treat the one who made us a great nation, he sure is patient. The Lord is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all reach repentance. And by the way, why did Jesus come? He didn't come so you can drive a Cadillac. That's what Tulsa preaches. That's false gospel. He didn't come so you can plant a seed and have a mansion on earth. He didn't come as a friend in Houston. Not a friend. Let me rephrase that. As a man says in Houston, this is your best life now. God help us. If this is your best life, I don't want to see what's to come to you. Jesus didn't come to make you better. He came to make dead men live. 
The Bible says he came to seek and to save those that are lost. And if we're following him, what should we be doing? What he does. If we still had those WWJD braces, what would Jesus do? What did he do? He came to seek and to save those that are lost. Well, number four, pray specifically. When you pray, now here's an area, and we're going to, these next few minutes, we're going to focus on praying specifics. Listen, too often when we pray, we pray with such generics. And somebody say, well, is God answering prayer? Well, I, I, I guess so. Why don't we know? Well, it's just a Hail Mary, here it is. I, I wish you'd do something. Here's how I pray. Lord, please bless us. What's the answer to that? Well, we, well, he has, but if you were going to state that, what specific blessing did you see as a result of that prayer? But if you said, Lord, would you please bless First Baptist Church and bring a spirit of revival and awakening that would set our hearts on fire for lost people? Could we measure that? Could we see that? Would we know if that hit? I use the word bless in both cases, but now when I say, God, would you bless this church by setting our souls afire with a burden fresh for lost people? Would we be able to see when the aisles were flooded and the people of God were bringing friends and neighbors, would we see a difference between that and the saints soaking in the basking of God's love? So when you pray, pray specifically. Look at this. When you're praying for people who need to know the Lord, here's just a few, this isn't exhaustive, but here's A through F, number four at the bottom of your page. Pray specifically. Number A, Lord, please make folks curious about spiritual things. Why? If you're going to be sharing, you don't want them clipping their fingernails and looking off at Mars. Make them interested specifically about things that are spiritual. Number B, Lord, please. I pray that they will be surrounded with strong Christians. Why? Make them miserable, God. Put them right in a church meeting, right in the middle of a soul-winning group that loves Jesus, loves to pray, and loves to witness. I pray you'll put them everywhere they walk today. Why? I want them to get some miserable sin. They say, I can't take this anymore. Please save me. I can't stand it. Right? Number C, pray. Please, God, make them aware that they're sinful, not, God, I hope you'll show them what a sinner they are. Listen, you're a sinner praying for a sinner. The difference is you're a saved one. So we're talking about our kind of people. You know, church, you say, well, now, preacher, they're not our kind of people. Listen, everybody's our kind of people. I'll say that one more time. So everybody's our kind of people. You know why? We're all sinners. Starting with this one all the way out. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. So therefore, everybody in this whole world is our kind of people. Because, But for the grace of God, we would still be proactive in sin. We are listening on television of people that have pursued sin, and we want to throw up. I'm interested how, how, how much America loves uncovering the sins of others. You know what God says one day? Outside of Jesus, every word you've ever spoken, every thought you've ever had, and every deed you've ever done outside of Christ is going to be exposed to the light. You reckon they'll quit? (laughs) Yeah, they will. Let's look at this. The Bible says, listen, we're all sinners. And the truth is, we love sin. Why? Sin pleases our flesh. Listen, if sin wasn't tempting, we wouldn't be tempted we're only tempted to do that which appeals to our flesh. And so when we pray, God, make them aware that they're sinful like we are and once were. But today at least we're forgiven and seeking to be led by Jesus Christ as he leads us. Number D, create in them a hunger and a thirst 
God, for the things of God. Number E, give them an understanding of who Jesus is. Number F, pray that God will break strongholds. Some people have been there so long, now there's a, their, their hearts are calloused. Pray for them. Well, on, the, on the next page, I, I plagiarized this freely from a site done by the North American Mission Board. You see the site in bold print at the bottom of your page if you want to go there after church. You can go there because there's more, more there than just praying for folks that don't know Christ. There are many areas listed of how you pray for it. It's an excellent site. You see the site at the bottom of your page. These are the things on that site about how do we pray for those that need Christ. How to pray for non-Christians. Each person, top of your page, back of your page. Each person must decide individually. Now, did you see that? Each person must decide individually whether or not they will believe in Jesus and accept his gift. Why is that an important statement? Because we live in a world where there are folks that say, we're going to baptize you as a, an infant so that you are in the body and all happen to happen at age 12 is you realize we're going to teach you a class and now you realize what you've been all this time. L listen, except you repent, you're going to perish. Whosoever believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Whosoever. It doesn't say, Mama, if you love your babies, you'll pray them into heaven and be sure to pray that God will save them by their wickedness. You pray God break their hearts of their sins so they can drop to their knees and come to confess for themselves Jesus Christ as personal Savior. You cannot, I cannot, much as I wish I could, I have no power to save anybody. I couldn't save me. And so what we do is pray. Look at this. Every person has to believe for themselves. Sentence number two at the top paragraph, or sentence number three, middle of the uh, uh, second line, right at the end of the line. Prayer is a most important part of the process of them believing. Here's a number of suggested ways you can pray for those that are non-Christian. First little dot. Claim the person you're praying for is God's possession in the name of Jesus on the basis of his blood. In him we have redemption. Why is that important? One of the saddest things to me is to know that something has been bought, paid for, shipped, and sitting somewhere in a, in a postal box of dead mail because the recipient never got up, went to the post office to claim what had been sent to them fully paid. Every year we have those lists in the newspaper. People that have money that the government somewhere along gave them a refund or sent them a check and they forgot it, didn't get the notice, and they list page after page after people. Check this list. You may have income you don't know is yours. And sometimes those lists go year after year with almost the same names because nobody bothers to look and go get it. Listen to me. The price for sin has been paid. And that's why when you say whosoever will, it's not, well, I wish you could have gotten in on it 2,000 years ago, but you didn't, so I'm sorry, you missed the offer. It was just good for 10 years. No, sir. Jesus doesn't die in every generation. He came to die once for all time so that whosoever would believe in him would not be separated from God because of sin forever, but could come to know and have eternal 
life. So when you're praying, you can pray with confidence. Jesus, thank you that your blood is already available and absolutely effective in saving to the uttermost them that believe. Please draw those without Christ toward your saving, the saving knowledge of Jesus by the power of your spirit. You're not waiting for God to do something. He already did it. You don't have to wait for him to come and pay for your sin. You're already paid. The Bible says you need to be reminded you're praying with confidence. Second dot there on that page. Ask God because this is so prevalent today. There's a lot of people, a lot of beliefs have nothing to do with Scripture. And here, here's the way they say, well, I don't think God would do that. I'll tell you, my God wouldn't do that. You're probably right. Your God wouldn't. But maybe we ought to look at the God who is God that's found in the Scriptures. Listen, not every idol is made of wood and stone. Some are made of imaginations that are vain. Many people believe in truths today that are truths of their own making, and they are totally worthless. So what we need to know here, ask God to tear down. Second dot on that page, ask God to tear down everything false, the unbelief, other teachings that may have built up in a person's life. Pray for her thoughts or his thoughts to be taken captive. Pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin and their need for a Savior. Pray that the person will hear and receive or, or read God's Word and God's will and purposes may be accomplished through Scripture. Listen, how, if, I were to, if, if we were to take a survey across Broken Air, the many people have been saved, it'd be amazing if you ask them, how did you come to know Christ? Some would say, somebody challenged me to read the New Testament. Somebody challenged me to read the Gospel of John. Somebody gave me a little simple Roman road track and it just went through Bible verses and I read those verses. It's like God grabbed my lapels. Why? It, God's word is the power of God unto salvation to cut through even bone, even through the marrow. You know what's true about the word of God? It will not return to him what void. So though you and I may have illustrations that are marvelous, our illustrations are not inspired, but the Word of God abides forever. And so what we want to do is point them to the Word of God. Pray the Holy Spirit will convict them. Now, fifth dot down, pray that the person will hear and will receive. Pray that we'll receive and read God's Word that, God will, uh, that God's will and purposes will be accomplished. Next, next dot, pray the person's eyes will be opened and their ears unstoppable. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 4. And even if our gospel... Today, so many people say it's just like their eyes are just blind. You're, they are. Look what he said in 2 Corinthians. This is 2,000 years ago. Paul writing the church at Corinth. Even if our gospel, right there in the middle of the page, bold print. Even if our gospel is veiled. Who's it veiled? Who, who has the, who's wearing the veil? It's veiled to those who are perishing. Remember the word perish means to be separated from God forever. It's veiled to those who are already walking dead men. In whose case the God of this world. Who is that? Little G, who's the God of this world? Satan. In this case, look, in whose case Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of glory of Christ. And Christians say, well, I sure wish they'd be saved. This is going to take more than wishful thinking. If you were a prisoner of war, if you were a prisoner in a terrorist camp, would it suffice you to say, well, I, I'm just, I, I'm praying that you'll be strong in there and, and everything will work out okay. Buddy, listen, if I'm ever taken prisoner, I want somebody working on diligently get me out of there. 
if you were under the rubble of sin and your future was bleak and the world as you know is now falling apart it's not the panacea that you thought when you began living in sin and your wife can't stand you, your husband can't stand you, your children are rebellious and decadent, your job, you can't stand the things they're, they're saying and doing, it's just, just turned to a world of darkness. And your neighbors now are, are vile, they have no use for God in church, and if you're not careful, they're cursing you over the fence, and you're thinking, I just, I, I hate this. If you're an unbeliever, listen, you better enjoy it. This is your best life now. If you're an unbeliever, this is it, you're in heaven. You don't know Jesus, boy. This this is it. This is this is heaven for you. You don't know Jesus. You are in heaven now, because where you're going, you don't have a temporary address. You'll be there permanently with no hope of ever escaping. Now, before we say, "Well, praise God, I'm not going there," does your brother know Jesus? Your sister know Jesus? Your son know Jesus? Your daughter? Your daddy? Your mother? Your best lunch buddy at work? Because if they don't know Christ, they're having their heaven now. And you say, well, I just hate to hear that. Well, do more than hate to hear it. Don't you think they deserve a greater chance of being saved because you're their friend? <laughs> Why do you think God puts you in salvation in their path? Look at the next line. Pray with consistency. About middle of the page. Pray with consistency. Pray with consistency and perseverance. Daniel 10. If you remember, it's when he got before the Lord and he called on the Lord. And the Bible says, from the first moment you prayed, I had already sent my angel to help you. The Bible says in the book of Daniel, he got before the Lord three times a day, morning, noon, and night, and he called on the Lord. When they went to arrest Daniel, they knew exactly where he was. He's going to be on his knees facing Jerusalem, praying to God, I pray when they come after me, whoever they may be, they'd find me praying in that moment. The Bible says, listen, prayer is essential. Look at this. Pray with consistency and perseverance. Next, next dot down. Thank God. When you pray, thank God for making us more than conquerors, recipients of the love of God. Look, look at this verse. I love Romans 8. You do too. In all these things, we are overwhelmingly, we overwhelmingly conquer through him that loved us. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Nam does a marvelous acrostic. And I printed it here for you at the bottom because I think it's a good reminder the heart acrostic from Nam is taken from praying your friends to Christ. So it's, a, it's something they took from another source and printed on their source, and I took it from them. So that's, I took from them that took. You know what I'm saying. So we're all clean now. We've confessed our plagiarism. Look at this. The acrostic heart will help you remember what to pray. Pray for the H, the hearts of those that are lost. Luke 8 says, the, the, the soul that was shallow or thorny did not receive to bear fruit seed, uh, did not receive the seed sufficiently to live long enough to bear fruit. So why should we pray for their hearts? God, please remove their stony heart. Some of you have been talking to friends of yours for years, and it's like talking to a tabletop. God, please do a heart transplant. Please make their heart soft. And be careful praying this, because I've, I've prayed with people who say, God, whatever it takes, be, be careful, because God's listening. And if you pray, God, whatever it takes to break their heart, be ready, because God may do whatever it takes. 
God, their heart's so stony, their heart's so shallow, all their incidents, the ne- the, the, all they're thinking about is what they're going to do tonight, God. They're not thinking about long-range plan to life. They're not thinking about consequences. They don't think about ramifications. They're sure not thinking about eternity. God, I can't get their attention because they are so shallow. The soil on their hard heart is so shallow. The seed just does not germinate to bear fruit. God, please break open that heart for the seed of God to take root and to burst through that stony heart like roots on the side of a hillside that break through the rocks that a tree can grow right out of the rock. Pray that way. Pray, God, you're going to have to do what I can't do. You pray that way. So the prayer for the heart is the first one. Second, the E of, of the heart is pray for their spiritual eyes to be ho- open. Their hearts have become callous. And the Bible says their eyes are blinded. We read that a moment ago. Number C, pray for them to adopt God's attitude towards sin. What does that mean? God, John 16, 8, sin, God, John wrote that God is sending the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin righteousness and judgment and then he says here's what the sin is they have rejected the son of god god convict them of their sin then he writes the r of hearts look at this pray for them to be released so they can believe these two verses deal with the divine power to demolish strongholds and to come to their senses and escape from the snare or the trap of the devil and the last one is a t of heart is pray for transforming life in Romans 12 I beseech you brethren that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice now the last page I'm not going to read not because it's not extremely important but I'm deliberately not going to read it because this is your homework assignment I want you to take this page and I want you to think of one now surely you have at least one two weeks ago we signed what we called a 3151 card in that we said we're going to Pray for three people to come to know Christ. If you've been doing that, one of those is more urgent than the other two, probably, unless they're all in the same family. You, you, we talked about praying for... Now, hear me, church, hear me. If you said, preacher, I'm not praying for lost people, then disregard everything else because you need to come for salvation. If you have no burden for lost people, you don't know the Lord because Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So if you have no burden for that, then you come at the altar, at the invitation, say, I need to be saved because that's not on my radar. I have no burden for anybody lost. It doesn't doesn't even faze me they're going to hell. Then you come for salvation. Don't, Don't worry about praying for others. You draw a circle. You're in it. So you say, I I could care less whether or not people come to know Christ. Then you come because you don't know our master. If he had not come after you and me, we'd still be lost. The Bible says he came to seek and to save those that are lost. So you say, that, that's, I, I don't care about that. You need to come. Today, you need to come and say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I have no burden for anybody. Then you come. There's the invitation. But if you're a Christian and you're praying for three lost people, one of those should have risen to the surface by now as primary. And in most of your lives, that's not the first time you've prayed for them. You're going to pray for three. You're going to learn one gospel presentation that you can share. And then you're going to invite five. Sometime between now and October 30, you're going to invite five. And October 30, I'm going to just preach Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. This is a simple gospel message. If you invite five, surely one of those will come with you. What if this in the room, everybody here today brought one lost person on October 30th. And we just present the gospel and watch God work because we've been praying. 
Oh my. And the last one is, I'm going to share the gospel with one lost person. I'm going to share the gospel. Each of us is going to share the gospel with one lost person. Well, I can't do that. Listen, you can pull up a gospel presentation on your cell phone and say, watch this with me. If you've been to church 60 years and you can't share the gospel, God help us. We have failed as a church. But that's no excuse in this electronic generation because you can pull up the gospel on your cell phone and say, I'm going to sit with you. Watch this with me. So that's what we prayed that we do. That's what we said we'd do. So if you've got somebody that you're going to pray for, I'll give you this sheet with the blanks as your homework assignment. Who is that person that you're most burdened for that needs to know Christ? So you say, nobody. Then you come for salvation. Leave the sheet in your seat. Say, I'm not praying for anybody. Then, then you come for salvation. If you say, I've got somebody I know needs to be saved, then this is your homework assignment. You take this sheet, put their name in these blanks in every case, read through the verse, and over the next two weeks, you begin to pray these verses. Now, if you pray the whole page, you're a most unusual Christian. Most are not that disciplined. So what you may do is say, I'm going to take this little group of three or four verses at the outset, and tonight before I go to bed, I'm going to pray those three. And tomorrow before I go to bed, I'm going to pray these three. And the next time I'm going to pray these three. And then as I get them in my mind, I go back and pray certain ones that are especially significant for the one in, that I'm praying for. Here's what the Bible says. Men ought always to pray and not faint. So hear me, and I don't say this with any spirit of patronizing. I don't say it in arrogance. I say it to be truthful. I know that sometimes folks say, Brother Nick, I don't know. You keep saying here's what we need to do, but I don't know how. Nobody can leave this service this morning or anybody watching on live stream and say, I don't know how to pray for my lost friends. You see, if I only ask you to pray for folks and don't share with you a method by which you can pray effectively, then I have not done my job, which is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But if I've equipped you, and you understand today the responsibility today has shifted it is no longer on my shoulders are you listening now because you know the responsibility has shifted from the shoulders of a pastor to the body of Christ what are you going to do with Jesus that's the question stand with me and let's pray it may be this morning since we've gone through this sheet, there's some that say, Brother Nick, I do need to come. Then come right now. Pastors, if you're in the room, make your way to the front. It may be there's some in the room say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I know that I do. Then come right now. You can wait on the preachers for later. Come on. I need Jesus, Brother Nick. I can't pray for somebody else. It's me standing in the need of prayer. It's me that needs that salvation. I'm the one that needs to be born anew of the Spirit. I'm the one that needs to lay down my sin I'm the one that needs to be touched by the Master's hand and transformed. If that's you, don't look to the right or left. You come. And you say, Brother Nick, that's not me. I know Christ. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to ask God to help you implement the things we studied today. They're not profound. It's not rocket science. It's just plain, straight truth. And you pray God will help us all to become more burdened through prayer so we can be more burdened about sharing. And as you study these, these, these sheets over the next few days, you circle those that are your weakest areas and underline those that are your strengths. 
so that you and I can be ever more effective in seeing our community come to know Jesus. Maybe some need to come for baptism. Maybe some for church membership. Maybe there's some today just want to come and kneel in prayer because there's somebody right now that's just burning a hole in your heart. Is it your son that's without Christ? Is it your daughter? Your coworker, your neighbor? Is it your mother? Is it your daddy? Your brother, your sister? Your golfing buddy? Your softball parent friend? Your grandparent friend that you walk with every day? Who is it? Maybe today you want to just make this church a place of prayer. And get on your knees and call out that person's name to God. And ask God to help you to be the prayer link to see them come to know Jesus Christ. Father, you know every heart. Now it's our time to wait for you. Do with us as it's pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. We're singing. You come quickly. Come now, won't you? Come. Come. And all to Jesus I surrender all to Him I free. Won't you do it? Will you come now? Will you come? Men or women, boys or girls, will you come? Will you do it? Sing it. Come on, sing it. Will you do that? Will you do that today, please? Will you do that today, please? Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? Are they worth a prayer? Are they worth a calling on the name of the Lord? Who do you know? We're going to sing just one, one other verse in chorus. Please don't just say the words. Let your life be a living sacrifice today. Sing it together to the Lord. Sing it. Sing it. And I surrender all. And I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I wonder if you'd bow with me real quickly in prayer. I believe every person in this room, if you know Christ, if you know Christ, I believe every person in this room has somebody that you know that doesn't. The sad thing is, it's not that their position has changed. It's sometimes like that thorny soil. We let the cares of the world take over and we just become negligent. We don't want to be willfully disobedient, but we do become negligent. And sometimes the cares of the world choke us out, choke out the light of God, convicting and drawing us to be obedient. If you're like your pastor, I've had to confess to God, God, I've let a lot of things get in the way of being faithful. And sometimes church is the hardest place in the world to be obedient because of all the demands just to do the urgent. And I've had to find myself this week saying, God, renew in me that spirit of zealous, broken-hearted, heaven-centered, Christ-honoring evangelism. Maybe that's you too. I don't think I'm alone. Maybe I am. Maybe it's your preacher and he's the only one. But if not, I'm not the only one, then would you join me, Father? I pray today for each of us that we'll turn back from what we're doing that is so active but not productive. It's not that it's bad. It's just not the best. And we're not doing things that are character assassinations, but we're just doing things that are not Christ-centered. Please forgive us. 
restoring us and renewing us the joy of salvation and help us to tell all we meet of the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. When you go out today, there are some voter guides. Now, I want to be careful how I say that because sometimes people say, well, good, they're going to tell me how to vote. No, no. Here's what they are. They're done by the BGCO. It's a simple sheet that was on the back of this last edition of the Baptist Messenger. We put those guides out on the information desk kiosk, and what it does is list what do those state questions mean. Several of you have written me say, Pastor, I don't, I don't I need information on the president. I'm concerned about what are those state questions. Well, it tells you what they are and gives you a site on the sheet that you can go to on the web if you say, well, that doesn't answer all my questions. I need more information. So it gives you a site on that sheet where to go for get more information. It also tells you how you can find out about the judges. So often they're just up for re, uh, reaffirmation, re-election, and we know nothing about them. It'll tell you a site where you can go to get them. This week I got through one of you a wonderful website that you can pull up that, in fact, Rose sent it to you Friday. If you get email, look for the one from, from our church office. It went out Friday. We're gonna send it every week. It's a site you can go to. If you put in your name and your birth date, it will pull up the ballot for your voting precinct. What does that mean? Some of us live in different parts of the city. We don't vote for the same state representative, state senator. So if you'll pull up, put your name in there. It's on. It, we send it to you Friday on a FBC email. You can put your name and your phone number, uh, your name and your birth date. It'll pull up your ballot for your precinct. Now the reason that's important is not only to give you information. Hear me. Some of you may think you're registered and you forgot, oh, I've moved since then and I'm not registered. If you put in your name and address and it didn't give you your ballot, you won't be voting in November. Friday was the last day to register. So if you wonder, am I registered? Go to that site. It's on your computer. The voting guides are at the info desk. We've run several hundred of them so you can get those and see. And at the bottom of each of those, there's a website to go to. You say, I need more information, all right? Tonight, five o'clock is a very strategic lead time meeting. We're going to be presenting a, uh, a proposal for CBC to purchase an additional acre of land that's between them and the, the, the uh, highway. And it's a great piece of land. We've been praying it open. It's open. We're going to share that with you tonight. Now, hear me. We're going to make the presentation night, allow you to ask questions. If you're here to ask questions, you'll get to ask those next Sunday morning. Now, hear me. We're going to present that with no discussion. So if you have a question, either be or night, or call this week the office, because next Sunday morning we say all in favor of voting for this, say aye. All opposed, no, and the train's leaving the station. You with me? Everybody understands that? Say uh-huh. Good. All right. Now, that last thing real quickly. We have a night of prayer on the 30th. We have a night of prayer on the 30th in this room to pray for our nation, the election. So you say, well, wait a minute. My small group meets. I know that. Get with your small group. We're going to give information.